0: And uh, welcome to Race Industry Now, episode five. I am Francis Savignan, the founder and CEO of Ipar Trade. I am with Judy Kim, the co-founder. Good morning, Judy. Good morning. We have an exciting, uh, uh, you know, lineup of speakers this morning. Um, this is the second time uh, they are coming on. Uh, of a panel during online race industry week and Christina was also part of a panel during that same week and we are big fan of the world of Outlaw so uh, you know during those panels they only had a uh, you know a shared amount of time to share their stories so we wanted to give them a full hour for them to tell us everything they are doing, why they are doing it, and why that series is, is uh, doing so well. And to be uh, hosting our webinar, we're going to have the wonderful Brad Gilly, who is back with us this morning. But Judy, you wanted to share some, some updates because we had an exciting news this week. Uh, yeah, we've had some really wonderful suppliers jump on board this week.
1: Chassis Engineering, Northern Radiator, Darton Sleeves, Maglock, Lucas Oil, so I just want to remind people these these suppliers are on this platform, showcasing to engage with buyers, and it more and more companies are just jumping on board. So it's exciting.
0: Very good, excellent. So it is nine oh one here in Los Angeles, and we always start on time. So good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to let Brad Gilly do the full introduction. So Brad, on to you, and we'll see you guys in about 55, 58 minutes.
2: Well, thank you, Francis, and thank you very much, Judy. Really appreciate that, and thrilled to be here today because, um, well, let's just say genuinely, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the World of Outlaws and dirt track racing and everything that they have. And we've got three special guests here today, and we're going to talk about what happens inside of a sanctioning body and what's happening with the World of Outlaws here in 2021. As always, we invite your questions. If you have a question, feel free to type it into the chat and we will get your question out there uh, and we will be happy to interact with that. But who we have with us here, Brian Carter, the CEO of the World of Outlaws, Christina Cordova, the Executive Director of Digital for the World of Outlaws, and the Marketing Director from NAS and Full Throttle Energy, Lauren Albano. So uh, first of all, everyone, welcome. Thank you for being a part of what we've got going on here at ePAR Trade. And, and Brian, let me just start with you and, and introduce you again as the CEO. And, um, you know, if you have anything you want to say in opening about the World of Outlaws and what we have going on already here in 2021, we certainly would love to hear from you on that.
3: Well, we appreciate everybody participating today. It uh, 2021 is uh, started off with a bang uh, for the World of Outlaws. We uh, started down in uh, uh, in Florida uh, just about uh, a little over a month ago with the late model series, and it started uh, with our Dirtcar Nationals, and and then uh, Mother Nature took a good, pretty good chunk out of our calendar already. So we're already facing the challenges of uh, 2021, but. Uh, now we've uh reset everything and got everything ready to go again we'll start up in a couple of weeks and we got a full slate of uh of uh of events planned for not only this world of Outlaws sprint cars and late models and the big blocks we'll get into all that but uh first of all I'd just like to thank everybody particularly christina and lauren for participating and uh, helping me share the story today well that's
2: awesome uh christina let me turn it over to you uh as the executive director of digital for world of outlaws can you talk a little bit about what you do and um you know certainly how it uh, uh, impacts the sanctioning body and all the racers and participants as well.
4: So sure. Thank you. Um, I mean, I oversee everything that doesn't happen at track, right? So (laughs) you have the events at track and then you have the amplification, which is in the digital space, everything from dirt vision to our websites, to our apps, to any, uh, any communications via emails that go out to the fans, social media. Um, it's really, the realm of amplification
2: I like it (laughs) and Lauren uh for your part with NOS and full throttle energy and your sponsorship and participation in the world of outlaws we all know that um you know we see race cars going around but really what makes the world go around is sponsorship and great support from companies like yours so uh if you would just talk to the participation of NOS energy and everything that uh you are doing in participating with the world of outlaws
1: Absolutely. Uh, First, thank you for including Nas Energy in this. Uh, Hi, Brian and Christina. Um, You know, we started back in about 2017 sponsoring uh, Stenhouse Jr. Marshall Racing. We have a long standing relationship with Ricky Stenhouse Jr. And he brought us into the sport and we quickly fell in love with it. And I think you saw we went from just sponsoring one car to then sponsoring the series. Um, And what's so beneficial for us is just the multiple touch points you get within world of outlaws so you see the nas energy branding on a car you now see it uh within the title sponsorship and all the engagement that we have at track um with the fans being able to sample the product getting a you know a cold can in the hands of consumers is uh important for us and that's been very beneficial with a series like world of outlaws that competes over 90 times a year you know across the whole country so uh, the footprint is expansive and definitely helps us reach our fan base and then everything that Christina's team does from a digital and social perspective, just to continue with that engagement with consumers. So um, a lot of multiple touch points within one series between the racing and the fan engagement and then building out that digital content. It's, it's a cool series to be part of. Uh, we love the fan engagement. I always say motorsports fans are the best fans there are. Um, and it's definitely been a, a win and, and really beneficial for NOS Energy.
2: That's wonderful. I'm going to kind of go around the horn and direct questions to each one of you individually, but I would certainly encourage you if you have something to add to anything we're talking about, uh, you know, please feel free to jump in and do so. And I do want to remind folks who are on this right now that again, if you have a question, just jump on the chat and we'll be more than happy to get it out there. Uh, Just to give you a little bit of of my background and why I'm so excited about this is um, I grew up in Texas and you know, the first ever World of Outlaws sprint car race was at Devil's Bowl Speedway, which was not very far from where I lived. And in my professional racing career back in the early 2000s, I actually ran the dirt track at Texas Motor Speedway. And, um, you know, back when Ted Johnson was still with us and all of that. So um, I really am a huge fan of what you guys do and to see how it's grown and everything that you guys have done, bringing in other series and all of that. But Brian, let me start with you and, you know, let's talk about. You know, kind of the origins of the world of outlaws and, and obviously what it was, you know, back in the early days to what it is now. Uh, it's amazing how much you guys have really grown this and expanded it.
3: Yeah, the, the beauty of, of what we've done is, you know, the concepts of the, what the world of outlaws is, is is remain pretty true to what Ted's uh, foundational piece. Take a, take a group of guys around the country, uh, show them off as a group, promote them as a group bring a package to a racetrack that uh, they couldn't get anywhere else and, uh, show their wares against the local heroes. And, and, and a big part of our success today is remaining true to those foundational concepts. So, you know, it's our job as a, as a sanctioning body to preserve not only the, the integrity of the racing, but the history of what we're doing and then adapt it and let it evolve naturally to what the fans want and what the market needs from, uh, from an entertainment perspective, and from a event uh, piece, and manufacturing, and all those pieces, and marketing, sponsorship, and and what's happened, really over the last, you know, we got involved in 2004, and uh, had the opportunity to help carry that torch while Ted was still alive, and and actually help uh, continue his ideas into today, and the challenges today are really more about how do we meet the needs of today's consumer and the, today's race fan? And, and, and that's uh, changed radically over the last 10 years and even more so over the last 24 months with what you know, the attention spans, the social media, the engagement activities, those are the pieces that it's really, it's really been uh, exciting and challenging to keep in front of because our goal is to keep the racing as pure as possible. You know, so when you look at the rule books across the board, you know, you adapt them based on the needs, but most of them are to stay pretty true to the form of racing and then uh, create awareness, which is really what Christina and with the resources and with the efforts that NOS brings to the table to uh, just expand the awareness of what we've been doing. We're not changing what we've been doing. We're actually really excited about more and more people becoming aware of this great tradition and great racing that we have and, and sharing that with all of our friends and family. So it's been an interesting dynamic. I think uh, everybody that i talked to that remembers that first race in uh, 1978 I, I didn't get to see that one but i saw them pretty cl- close after that growing up in texas too so but i think everybody is pretty excited about not only maintaining what was started but evolving it to the demands of today's consumers and race fans and constant engagement the constant engagement with the race fan not only at the track but what's available to us now away from the track and uh digitally and then encouraging them and invest reinvesting that back into that racetrack and i'm seeing you're i think you're seeing the first couple sets of cycles of that happening and is showing up at the racetrack and that's exciting for us
2: it is very exciting uh without question and, and christine i'll direct this one to you because um the footprint of the world of outlaws. I mean, literally, when you talk about going racing all over the country and as many nights of racing that there are in every single season, but being able to engage with a fan base that is literally completely national, this is definitely not a regionalized sport. How do you do that?
4: I, you, Lauren spoke to the footprint, uh, you know, it starts at the track uh, where we're literally going across the entire country, okay, this year, a little less right now than we wanted to, but we hope to get there in fall. Um, we have more races, I think, than any other type of, you know, any, any other series out there, any other motorsports series. Um, and then on top of that, we have our live stream platform now. So Dirt Vision now brings each one of those races to a national and even international audience. Um, so it's not just the local audience as it used to be. You've got social media um that that brings you know that that amplifies that our drivers on social media the series on social media our sponsors on social media all of that filling the social space you've got um i I mean it's resonating everywhere right you're just you're you're just putting it out there not just in in mainstream media as as used to be the case but but in in sort of all these niche media um, venues now that, that you didn't have at your disposal before. So um, the idea is to keep the fans talking at all times about the competition and about the stories that are coming out of it. Um, and we do that in any number of ways. Some of it's just putting out video clips. Some of it's actually explaining stuff and having conversations and starting conversations or continuing conversations that our drivers have. Um, a lot of it is capitalizing on on, um, on disagreements, right? <laughs> because everybody knows how to do it better, so you capitalize on those disagreements and you keep those conversations going. And you have to be open to those disagreements, right? They they are the conversations, and they and. And, and the engagement around our sport is largely based on everybody knowing what's best. Right. And everybody yeah. having a favorite driver and everybody having a, the right way to do things. And, and so it's, it's encouraging that it's opening up the space, it's listening, it's in, it's actually responding to people when, when they have something to say.
2: And, and I love that idea because when you talk about the disagreements, being able to use that as a spark, for something positive and a spark to really create not only further conversation, but further engagement with a lot of people to be able to do that. Some people want to shut that down and say, no, we don't need that kind of, but, but but, the way you look at it and to be able to do it in that way is such a wonderful, positive thing.
4: We need it. And our sport, I think, has grown, you know, over the years because of conversations like that, whether they're internal, external, a combination thereof. Um, we might not love everything that's said out there, but we talk about it. And so it does have an impact. And so, you know, the, the smallest voice can have an impact in the sport. It's a grassroots sport. That's where it comes from. So we need to listen to every voice. And, and, and we do, and I think our fans feel like that they're heard and a part of the conversation as well. Um, you know, the other piece is educating and, and, and putting material out there all the time that will engage new fans, right? What are we explaining what we are so that it's not just the inner circle, but you're actually talking to a broader base as well
2: i like that you know lauren as we all know um motorsports is uh, one of the most brand loyal fan bases that are out there and people love this and when you start talking about the world of outlaws as well you know people who are at the racetrack are there because they are truly passionate about this, but people who are also exposed to it for the first time. I mean, there's no better feeling than bringing someone out to a dirt track and literally walking up towards, say, the pit side grandstands. And when you see those cars going around the racetrack, the wow in their eyes and how Mm -hmm. they become an instant fan, but engaging with the fan base. And as we all know, for the last 12 months now, it's been a very difficult thing to do. And we found new and creative ways to be able to do that. But, you know, for Nas, how are you guys going out there and really touching the fan base
1: uh, a few different ways and and one comment you made just about the, the loyal fans I mean it's one of the things that we love the most about dirt racing and specifically world of outlaws I think you see on twitter all the time you know support those that support dirt with nas energy tags so that's been incredible and and again it's why I always say you know motorsports fans specifically dirt racing fans are some of the best sports fans um and you know we've we've been lucky i think just working with outlaws and and how quickly they're able to pivot um obviously the you know we had challenges last year with the pandemic Uh, mother nature has not treated us well uh the beginning of this season but you see i mean outlaws was one of the first to get back to racing um they were able to quickly within about 48 hours uh this year revise the schedule to get back on track so um, the, the track piece is what's most important for us, um, is being able to compete, being able to race, um, getting that branding and, and interaction at track, um, and then being able to engage with the fans and the consumers at track, because they're able to have a NAS Energy can in their hand, they see a NASCAR car on track, but then they also see the branding around track. And then as Christina mentioned, even if you're not at the event, just the role of Dirt Vision and being able to share that with fans across the globe um, is important and I think that's really cool and unique to World of Outlaws. And then really our job as a sponsor is just to help continuing that story on our social channels. Um, so whether it's, you know, optimizing on a, a Sheldon win or any other story with any of the other drivers, um, cause that's, there's just such, you know, there's a depth of talent in Outlaws and at any given night, any, any driver uh, in that field has a chance of winning. You saw what happened with Jacob Allen last year, you know, he got his first Outlaws win. Um, you know, we tweeted and we supported that. So we're here to support the series, the drivers, and then engage with the fans um, as much as we can, whether it's on track or through social and digital. Um, And again, having so many different touch points with World World of Outlaws, it makes it easy for us to do that.
3: You
2: know, Brian, uh, you know, you go back to, you know, the history and the origins of the World of Outlaws, and you talk about Steve Kinzer and Sammy Swindell, and, you know, just all of the people that we look back to that were a big part of it, but now as we move forward, it really seems like the motorsports community has has come together as a whole. For me, it seems gone are the days of when people would say, well, you know, dirt's for racing and asphalt's for getting there. Now, I think we're just all race fans in general, which is a good thing. But when we have people like Stenhouse and Casey Kane um, and Clint Boyer involved in the world of Outlaws in some way, shape or form, and people who are involved in dirt track racing as a whole, I mean, Tony Stewart and a lot of the other folks that have really drawn a lot of attention to it, now we see NASCAR going dirt racing here in a month at Bristol Motor Speedway on the cup side of things, not just on the track truck side, to be able to have people who do have a large platform like that in racing, who have a, you know, a a big national audience um, that they're exposed to, that are exposing people to dirt racing that might not have otherwise been. How much of a big shot in the arm has that been for the world of Outlaws?
3: It's, it's been a tremendous opportunity really for us. You know, it's, it's about awareness. You know, every time you bring somebody new or you engage somebody who has a great following, you have the opportunity to bring somebody who's not had a chance to experience it yet. So we're looking for those opportunities every day. How do we introduce this and create awareness to somebody who's not aware of it now, who's not experienced the dirt in your face, who's not felt the car go by? And those are the pieces. So anytime we can get it, uh, just an opportunity to showcase that to somebody new, is it a tremendous opportunity for the sport as a whole, not just the world of outlaws. So uh, we take that you know, any anything, especially the people that you mentioned, uh, any any, we've had some really good crossover, even with even uh, some music uh, entertainers and some others, anything that can just expand the reach. We we have no doubt that once we show somebody what we do and how and how we do it, uh, that they we have a really high possibility of making them a fan. It's really our responsibility at that point to make them a fan. So for us, any chance we get in particularly our our close uh, motorsports family with NASCAR and USAC and Everybody, uh, you know, all of the other forms of motorsports, even with IMSA, with some of the crossover there, it's uh, it's important because it's just an opportunity to grow the motorsports family. So, uh, the more engaged we can get them, the better, and the more times we can show this to somebody who hasn't had a chance, uh, is a better chance to bring in a new fan, and and that's what we have to do. Look out for those opportunities, and then don't miss out on them when they come across, Uh, because sometimes you know you you get those opportunities and you didn't see it until it was after uh, over with. So. Uh, my job is to position the company to where we can have as many opportunities as possible. And then when we have a chance to bring them to the racetrack, we show them the best, you know, the, really the greatest show on dirt when we get a chance.
2: Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, this one's probably for you, Brian. I want to ask a couple of from the chat here. Is uh, is World of Outlaws an US member? If not, what organization sanctions your races?
3: Uh, we are, uh ACUS, we, we participate in ACUS, but we're not a member of ACUS. Uh, we... Uh, participate in SFI, we are our own sanctioning body. So uh, we are, we have sanctioned our own races. We have all of our own risk mitigation and all the other pieces uh, relative to risk mitigation and the rest. Uh, But we sanction over 5,000 races through World Racing Group, Derek Carr, uh, World of Outlaws branding, and we manage that as our own. So our own risk mitigation pools and the rest for us. Uh, We do lean heavily on SFI and and consult with Atkis and and different pieces, but uh, much more on an informal basis with ACUS.
2: OK, uh, next question uh, comes from Clay Harshaw. It says, how do you think the iRacing events affected spectatorship at live events? Uh, how do uh, sponsorship, or I'm sorry, how do they affect sponsorships and partnerships? Uh, have to say that World of Outlaws iRacing events during Lawton Towns were very entertaining. So I don't know if that's a Brian or Christina, uh, whoever's better to answer that, but iRacing and the impact on World of Outlaws.
3: Well, you know, it was, we were thrown, everybody and the entire world was thrown a curveball when we shut down on March the 10th, I think was our official date. So, you know, at that point, it was our responsibility to create uh, awareness and to entertain people. There, there was a significant need for entertainment. And if we weren't going to do it at the racetrack, how could we do it uh, given the parameters? And we had this great platform and great partner with uh, iRacing and it has been for some time so again iRacing is just another way to engage with people that are race fans that take it in a little different form you know so whether your kids are out working on the sim playing with the uh, the race cars or the adults and my sim that's out front here in the office uh this the, you know that we all want a way to play and uh it was an opportunity for the long-standing partner with the world racing group it's like hey can we pull we, we shoot these feeds, we stream these feeds. Can we use a TV? Can we shoot TV out of it? And really it was Christina's team that figured out how to uh, capture an entertaining program uh, with something uh, that nobody had really perceived before. And that's the kind of challenge I like having the organization ready to take advantage of. What what can we do? What resources do we have? And what what what's available? It's candidly brainstorming out of a problem. we were not going to the racetrack. What do we have? What can we entertain we have all this old content we have all of the original tv broadcasts from the very beginning video here in the office how do you entertain people with history how do you entertain people with existing And then how do you create some new stuff and let's play around the edges see what we can and can really figure out how to push on the limits of what we can do and iRacing was one of those resources and Christine this team took advantage of it
2: do you want to add to that Christine at all
4: I mean, I think it speaks back to what you said earlier about we're just racing fans, right? One of my favorite parts of this whole uh, COVID pandemic has been the hashtag racing together, um, and iRacing did that. It, it allowed people to literally just cross over really easily and race within, you know, within realms and, and divisions that they never would have raced otherwise and i think you're we're seeing more of that in real life now and it's a beautiful thing not that it didn't exist before because there was plenty of crossover i think it's much more visible now and i think there's more curiosity about it now um you know did i racing help to you know back to the original question how did it affect um you know or what did it do to get our message out to new fans I, i i think more than anything, I, I think iRacing is an avenue for that. But more than anything, we had nothing else to watch, right? <laughs> so and 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 racing, both both World of Outlaws and and NASCAR were the only ones out there doing it, and we were iRacing, and and we were sometimes doing it together. We were crossing over, um, and so so a lot of new eyes were on us for sure. And once you see that, it's like Brian said. Once you see that, you you want to see more. You want to see the real thing. You want you want to experience it. You want to smell it. <laughs> you know. You want to you want to feel it rather than just watching it on a screen as well. So,
2: yeah, very well said, uh, Lauren. This question is probably more for you, and it comes mm-hmm. from the chat. Uh, how does NOS Energy Drink measure the success of the marketing efforts within the world of Outlaws and their fans?
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, we're obviously always looking for that ROI. Um, you know, I think any, any is looking for that, um, for us, it's also just the chatter around that brand love piece. So, um, you know, the fan engagement, like I've mentioned before is really the, the most important thing we're looking to get out of our partnership with world of outlaws. And so, um, just continuing to track brand love and brand awareness and making sure all of that is ticking and working for us is, is really how we measure success. Um, I think what the team does on track is incredible. Um, everything that Christina is doing from a digital standpoint, and that's obviously helped grow um, our social community, but really just building that brand love and building that brand value within that uh, very large motorsports community um, is really looking, what we're looking to achieve.
2: You know, and and from a sponsor's perspective on this, you know, sometimes maybe a track promoter, and maybe there's some track promoters on here right now, you know, thinking that's great. We're going to get your signage up. We're going to do this, or maybe someone is looking at their eraser themselves and they want to get sponsors. You know, we're going to put the logos on the car and everything's going to look pretty, and we'll send out pictures. But when it goes beyond that, when we start talking about social and digital and Mm -hmm. just really expanding the reach of of what you can do as someone who is a sponsored entity, be it a racetrack, be it a racing series, be it a driver, what do you look for
1: yeah i mean when when we're looking at drivers i mean it's it really comes down to mainly their performance on track i mean that it's you know we we sponsor athletes to win so it really does come down to um their performance on track but just the role of digital and social right now it's just so important um you know the energy category is a very cluttered space Uh, even the racing industry is a very cluttered space so Um, being able to talk to your fans and your consumers through social and digital is so important. So when you look at whether it's a driver, whether it's a team or really just an entity, all of those sort of, you know, expansion fingers is what I like to call it all. Again, all those different touch points that come in with that package are really important. So um, again, really at the end of the day, it's, it is track performance. It is what you can deliver live on track for a driver or a team. Um, But then again, all the other things that come with that package for digital and social outreach are just so important these days um, because that is really just the best way to engage with fans, engage with partners, um, and create that experience. And you're always trying to, to capture that for us, capture that drinker. And how do we do that within all of those, you know, multiple areas within racing.
2: You know, Brian. Um, when people hear World of Outlaws, the, the first picture that comes into my mind still today is wing sprint cars. But obviously, it's so much more with what you guys are doing at World Racing Group, and, and and even you know back in the day where some dirt track racing was more regionalized. You know, maybe you'd have a lot more modifieds, you know, dirt modifieds up in the Midwest, and late models down in the Southeast, and sprint cars in the Northeast, and throughout the South and the West Coast, and all of that. But but the World of Outlaws really has expanded into many forms of dirt racing. Can you just talk about everything that you? Guys have going
3: on? Sure, you bet. With the Sprint Car series, we cover uh, Christina over ninety nights, uh, pretty much nationally. With the World of outlaw Late Models, you no know, Ted. The concept has been a long-standing concept. Ted actually tried a late model program uh, and determined it was a little bit too more too regionalized to really create a national program. With the World of Outlaws Late Models, really uh, uh, birthed out of the have a Tampa series and uh, branded in two thousand four. Uh, the World of Outlaws with a group of guys, the the Dirty Dozen at the time, and and really uh, took on the the rebranding of the late model series. So with the late model series at over fifty five nights this year, and the World of Outlaws Sprint Cars, it really gives us the you know the pinnacle of the platform. But World Racing Group reaches us quite a bit further with the uh, uh, dirt car sanctioning through the acquisition of UMP, which is uh, a substantial number of races. That's where most of our bulk of the five thousand races come from. Plus our dirt car which was the old dirt motorsports glen donnelly's entity in the northeast so when you take those uh that's another five series there's 15 give or take car types and series that we run it's a lot further reaching than most people realize but what what brings me great joy and pride is that the resources that we can create at every level is shared amongst all aspects of dirt racing so what we learn at the World of Outlaws, it may not get applied necessarily at Clarksville Speedway, but we're going to take those and resources and make them available to our sanctioned racetracks where it makes sense. So what we can do is it, 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 it becomes a really big a sort of circle of life, if you want to call it, for the motorsports industry relative to making sure that it's running at all levels and balancing it out from not only the pinnacle and the premier, but all the way down through the, the backbone of racing, which is happening at the weekly and regional level. So it, it may not have the World of Outlaws brand on a lot of this racing, but it's surely having an impact, a positive impact, I, I, I believe a very positive impact. And the things the World of Outlaws are doing are getting carried through to all of dirt track racing uh, on a weekly level and regional level and, uh, uh, and, and it makes me happy that the organization is able to do that.
2: You know, when the when the world of outlaws come to town I mean if you're a racetrack promoter it's it's you know definitely a big time you know front gate type of show you're going to go out there you're going to sell as many tickets as you can a lot of times with what they're doing weekly if it's just a regular Friday night, Saturday night track, that might be, you know, more backgate emphasis on selling pit passes and all of that, but still bringing people into the grandstands. The, the health of promoters right now and the health of dirt tracks and short tracks that are out there, Brian, what what can you say about them and especially how they've had to make a run through what we've dealt with with the pandemic for the last year? Yeah,
3: you know, the the dirt, the all of the tracks are local businesses, so they're dealing with their own dynamics. It's, it's challenging. You know, it, uh, each jurisdiction is different. You know, it's so... I'm, we're blessed that a lot of the things we see are on the biggest night, the most exciting night of the year at these tracks, which I can't extrapolate that to the rest of the time. So for us, what I need to, what I, what World of Outlaws brings with all of its partners and all of its racers and all of its fan base is the biggest show of the of the year for these guys. It brings awareness, it brings the status, it brings all the things that it, it 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 raises the awareness of the racetrack, and hopefully that carries on in momentum through the rest of the season. So it's hard for me to extrapolate from the world of outlaws' perspective what the rest of the season looks like. But because of our relationship with them on a weekly and with the sanctioning, a lot of these tracks that we race at are sanction tracks. I can I can broaden my perspective relative to what's really happening in the business, and I can take that in consideration as we as we plan for the future. So it is a all over the board because there are tracks that we partnered with in New York where we had to rent the racetrack because they hadn't had fans all year. And that's a challenging time. Your local business and you can't have revenue. You know, there's a lot of places that had to, to really change the way they did things, uh, potentially shut down, take a break. And that's challenging for most of these tracks are family businesses or local fairgrounds. And that's a dynamic that, you know, that's it's difficult to manage today and um, and it is a balancing act for them like us and and my job is to make certain that when we go that the house is full we entertain their fans and that they're better off than uh, they were before we got there and that's that's uh, that's, that's what we have to do
2: yeah, which is wonderful, and you guys do a great job of it. There's no question about that. Christina, this one is for you from the chat, uh, Miss Cordova. What is the organization's largest platform you utilize in order to get your message to new possible fans?
4: That's a tough question. Large at, at in in what sense? Like hitting the most people, or so I I I think that we use most of our platforms a little differently and tailor it to where it works best for us right like I I think if we talk about our most important platform I'm gonna say that's dirt vision right like because you can actually watch the race from start to finish it's it's that simple now when it comes to um, you know race day we're live tweeting races and that's probably where we have the most engagement really and so we're we probably use it the most of of the platforms out there we're you know we're on there We, we throw out a lot of tweets in one night and are telling you exactly what's happening and you're gonna see more little clips of driver interviews and and highlights and, and little bits and pieces there. Facebook is, is a little more top line. You get some of that, but you don't get the live, you know, like this is exactly, yeah, like constant updates on the results and whatnot. It's just more top line. Um, however, Facebook is probably where our biggest audience is um, in the social space. Um, obviously our, our websites have all our event information and, and all of our news and, and highest traffic in terms of overall numbers. It, it really is the eco space that, that, that comes out of all of that. That, that is the most important I, I can't say that one platform is more important than another um, you might have a, a you might hit a smaller amount of people here but they're your influencers right so so they're amplifying what you're putting out there so it's 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 a very delicate and very robust ecosystem that that has a lot of people in it and I, I wouldn't prioritize one piece of it over another
2: yeah. And, and there has to be a lot of pieces. I mean, you know, to, to be able to reach all those people that you do and to be able to reach them in the way you do as well, because yes. some people are looking for certain things. Some people might want that, you know, the, the highlights or maybe they want the, uh, you know, the personal pieces and learning who the drivers are. Maybe they just they want to just sit there and watch the entire race uninterrupted. And all of those things that you guys have to offer is actually a really great thing for people who can't get to a track because maybe you guys are across the country on this Saturday night.
4: So. My, my take is you give people what they want, where they want it. Sometimes they want to come to you, sometimes they want you to come to them. Um, we have our core fans that we communicate with via email. Um, well, some of them call us and just ask us how we're doing. So so th- you have every level of, of engagement.
2: Yeah. For sure, uh, Brian. Let me let me ask you this one: um, With World Racing Group um, investing in racing series, what what about business partners? What sponsors and racetracks? What can they expect when they do business with World Racing Group?
3: Well, the you know World Racing Group is has been investing for over almost twenty years in the growth of the sport, the awareness. Uh, it, it can only happen because of the resources we consolidate either through race fans or sponsorship or events at the racetrack. So, you know, it, it, for us, it's, it is it is a what the partners can expect is a holistic view, a balancing act. When things are working in a fully balanced equation, things work really, really, really well. So when you have the balance of the events, the schedule, the drivers, the fans, the partnership, things work really, really well. And so my job is to, to manage that balancing act. And sometimes they get out of balance. Last year you take the fans away. Well, what are we going to do? How do we get it back in balance? How do you how do you manage the needs of the rest of the group? Because the expectations are their needs are going to be met. So from from the I want all of our business relationships, all of our racing family and community to understand that it's that balance that I'm seeking. And, and it has to work for everybody and it has to be good for everybody. Everybody needs to be better off by being uh, associated with us. Uh, than they were before they got here, and that's and that's what I want the fans to feel. That I want the, the fans to feel engaged, the drivers to feel protected, and uh, their interests preserved, and and uh, the fans entertained, and the partners, uh, uh, the brand awareness, the brand love that Lauren used her words, and uh, and really the whole balance moved forward, and it, and and that's what they can expect from us. We're all in on that every day, whether it be at the World of Outlaws level, the car level uh, the super car series level, whatever it is, we're trying to figure out that balance and then better leverage everybody's, uh, uh, participation for something better tomorrow.
2: Yeah. And and Lauren, good. Getting back to the brand love, um, again, sponsorship of something is not just you guys putting your name on it, not just Mm -hmm. putting NOS energy on there and not having a really cool logo. I mean, it's when you talk about a true partnership, when it comes to a sponsor and a sanctioning body or a race team or whatever it might be, um, for NOS Energy, for example, I mean, uh, you know, you guys also uh, go out there and promote the sport yourselves as well. It's not just the sport promoting you, but it's you promoting the sport. Can you talk about how those relationships really do coexist?
1: Yeah, they do. I mean, I think you look at Outlaws as an example, and it truly is. It's a partnership. It's not just a sponsorship, like you said. It it is truly a partnership. Um, You know, last year, we Um, actually leading up to uh, Knoxville Nationals we filmed for the Love of Dirt documentary Um, and it told the story of how Ricky Stenhouse Jr. went from dirt racing into NASCAR and then how he met Sheldon and Sheldon became the driver of the number 17 team and then how uh, you know the teams led up to Knoxville Nationals and I think that was, you know, one of the cooler programs we did and and filmings that we did, because not only did it tell the story of Sheldon, but it gave a peek into World of Outlaws. It gave a peek into Knoxville Nationals and everything that these drivers and teams go through, everything that tracks go through. So whether you're, you know, number one in points or number 12 in points, you know, you're still going from state to state um, 90 times a year. And the work that all of the local track owners do the work that world of outlaws do. And so it was, you know, a peek into world of outlaws. I think it opened up the sport to a lot of fans that didn't, you know, don't see sometimes the behind the scenes, the teams, you know, at the car wash at two o'clock in the morning, and then get, getting on the road and going uh, to their next uh, their next race. And uh, timing actually in a weird way worked out for us. Cause we, film the documentary and then the pandemic hit and we were able to push it out live during the pandemic. And Christina had mentioned it earlier, you know, the, the fans are super passionate and they just want to watch racing, whether it's live racing, whether it's I racing, whether it's, you know, behind the scenes on social, they're just, they're super passionate and they're hungry for content. And we were able to kind of leverage the documentary. We, put it out on, you know, network TV and social media and got to tell our story, got to tell the story of World of Outlaws and several of the drivers. It, it was rooted with, you know, the Stenhouse Junior Marshall uh, team, but it told the story of multiple drivers. And I think that was a really nice way to, yes, not only promote our brand, but promote the series, promote the drivers um, again. And it's, you know, just just a nod to the drivers and the teams. I mean, they're they're uh, some of the most appreciative uh, drivers that I have ever met in racing. So, you know, for any other potential brands that are uh, coming in to, to sponsor World of Outlaws, I think you're going to get, you know, again, the most passionate fans are going to get drivers and teams that, um, you know, love any brand that comes in and support racing. So I kind of deviated on that note, but just, just a shout out to the teams and drivers. But yeah, I think, you know, content and what we did with the documentary is a really good example of um, us promoting the sport and promoting the series in a way that, again, kind of helped create that brand love story for NAS as well.
2: And, and is that something that still lives? If someone wants to go find that right now, where can they? Uh,
1: they can. So it's on our NAS Energy YouTube channel, it's on our website, it's actually on Netflix and Hulu as well. Um, and then it lives uh, within the uh, World of Outlaws or Dirt Vision site. Christina can speak to that. The <laughs> Dirt part, Vision
4: Vault, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's awesome. That's really cool. I actually have not seen that. And I can assure you that as soon as we're off of this, I will, uh, because that sounds like a lot of fun. Christina, here's one for you from the chat. And again, if uh, if you're on with us right now, and you do have a question for either Brian, Christina, or Lauren, Uh, just type it into the chat and we'd be more than happy to ask anything that you might want to know about the world of outlaws and how the sanctioning body operates from all angles as well. But Christina, it says uh, actually Christina and other presenters, what have you discovered from the current situation that will lead to higher overall engagement post pandemic? What exciting new offering will we see coming to the world of outlaws? I mean, you know i hate to use the term new normal i really hate those two words together but we've all had to find a different way of doing things and find a way to make it work
4: yeah i, th- I think that comes sort of twofold right like on one hand it pushed us to do things that we I wouldn't say didn't want to do or didn't know we could do, but weren't quite comfortable with. (laughs) So, so let's say it could be something as simple as, um, as doing remote interviews, right? That, you know, before the pandemic, we tried to stay away from that. It's not the best quality. It's not, we have access to our drivers. So let's talk to them in person. Let's not try and patch something up. We didn't have the opportunity to do that, you know, at least at the start of the pandemic. So remote interviews became, you know, Zoom calls <laughs> became became normal. We just adapted, and we started. So, so I think that there are there are parts on the content side that we're just much more comfortable now doing that that allow us to to move swiftly, produce more content, overcome some of our just very organic obstacles right like natural obstacles by the very nature of the fact that we're traveling around the country all the time right um so so we learned a little there and pushed ourselves there and then there's the other side of it which is the opposite which is a reaction to not having fans in the stand. And so when we look at what we're doing now, our big focus this year is, and, and one of our biggest investments is on fan engagement at the track. The big screens, a fan engagement team, um, you know, filling, turning a show into more of a, sh- a show by filling downtime. It's not just a race, it's not just. The competition, it includes that and that is the core and the basis and why everybody is there, but boy we're going to make you have fun in, in the natural downtimes of, of racing as well, so so it, it, it you know it affected both sides how that funnels out like. Fans are going to be more engaged at the race. Fans are going to be more engaged remotely. We're going to be putting more content out there in general. We have more of a direct line to to fans in, in new digital spaces because because we've had we've all had to do that. I mean, who goes to the grocery store anymore? I just do my shopping online, right? We've adapted we have a new way of being the digital space is is, is much more a part of our ex- our everyday our new normal, right? It was already there. We had a foundation built that was huge and and the last couple of years have forced us to rely on that more so we it's just it's bigger Um, we were already ready to use it so so now we can take that to to whole new steps right um we have our new dirt vision apps that's that's you know we will continue to 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 grow in the digital space and you'll see new fun things coming soon that i don't want to reveal everything but um but yeah i engagement is key for us right now so
2: yeah and and there's a lot you did mention the fan engagement team can you tell us a little bit more about them and and a lot of the things that people can expect when you know when we're at events where we can have the fan engagement team and have people and all of those great things
4: so so you will walk into and and brian if i miss something step in um you you walk into an event and you're going to be greeted for starters right there will be fan engagement people a, a, a small team greeting people as they come in um there we're considering more the time that people get to 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 the track right and and different people sort of depending on their their well availability for starters their schedules but also depending on their commitment to the sport come at a different time right we we usually have our time that's opening ceremonies where the where the heat races start but then you have your fans that want to be there for qualifying then you have your fans that want to be there beforehand to interact with the drivers in the pit area which is something that's very unique to us Um, you can buy a pit passing and maybe not so much during the COVID era, but it's opening up Um, and and, and engage with the driver. So you have fans coming in at different times during the day. Some of them are there for a long time before the racing starts. So it's really giving them things to do, creating a space, a fun zone for them to, you know, they can go talk to the drivers, and then they can come out and play some cornhole and listen to some music and and buy some merch and 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 um, you know watch the big screens and some some uh, you know we have we have all of this access to to our archival footage. So there might be a um, a race playing uh from from that particular track you know or a a compilation of racing at that track over time or that particular event um some of the things that have happened you know in the past highlighting some of that so that so that you're you're learning you're seeing the rich history um there you're going to see more educational content in the big screens too for for new fans that are coming there i think um i i think lauren mentioned sort of Maybe it was Brian, and I apologize. but the the first time fan showing up and what that feels like, you know, actually, Brad, maybe it was you. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you know, um, so sure, it it feels fantastic, but as a new fan, you might not know what's going on. Um, and, and so so now we're, we're trying to help that new fan by, by sort of on the big screen showing, you know, a little bit of that process and explaining a little bit more. Um, also featuring our sponsors a little bit more there. It's one thing to, to read a PA. It's another thing to see this great video especially with some of the content that that Lauren's team has created right like that's that's fun exciting content to look at that highlights the brand better than than you know just saying what a great thing NOS is right over a PA so everything just gets a little richer um the during um well, you know, while they're lining cars up or, or while they're, you know, while, while there's an, a natural break in the show of which we don't have, like we run a pretty tight show. So there's not a lot of breaks. We're actually having to take a step back and go, where can we create a little breathing room, right? So that we can, we can do some a fan challenge and actually bring some of the fans down to, to, you know, put a lot of, Gear on, racing gear yeah. on, and see who can do it fastest. Just um, shoot T-shirts into the grandstands. You know, some of that more sort of fun, bringing the whole level of uh, of excitement just up in the room before well, the, I, the racing continues.
3: Strategically, yeah, I'd just like to add that you know, last year forced us to step up the game. Uh, digitally, and uh, what we were presenting, because it was the only way we could present it to a lot of race fans, and there will be a lot of fans that saw that for the first time that will make their first appearance at a racetrack this year. Yes. Uh, secondarily, uh, I, am, I am doing it everything at all costs to make certain that the fan experience at the racetrack is substantially better than any other fan experience they get uh, by not attending the racetrack. So some some have fallen into that pitfall where the entertainment was better not being there. So I want to make certain that all of our investment goes back into the fan experience at the track. And it continues to feed the circle of the constant engagement. When you can, you come to a racetrack. So I want them to see something. I want them to, to definitely know that when they're at the World of Outlaws show, they are at the greatest show on earth. So the big screens. When you look at it and you break it down to what was available to us and where we stepped up, the dart Vision, you get the drone shots, you get the camera shots in the driver's face, you get them in the car with them, you get the work area, you create the personalities around the work area. And the fan at the track doesn't get to experience a lot of that. I was done with that concept of the fan missing out on all of those things that we exposed to the world in the last two or three years in digital. So that, for me, the biggest, you know, that was a significant investment, but it is about raising the bar at the track and making sure that the fan engagement is not only just the, you know, being part of something bigger, larger community, the escape from what you need to escape from when you come to the races, uh, but also uh, a level of entertainment that's not unmatched in the, in the sport end, and then fed by all of this great content we were getting and using when you weren't at the racetrack and you were missing out. So now we get to portray that at the track, uh, engage them constantly, overwhelmingly sometimes, and then at the same time, they get to feel and smell and experience all of that that is at the racetrack. So in a lot of time this year, I believe based on our numbers, there'll be a lot of people that have not been to the racetrack before, and that's what we wanted to make sure we did not miss the opportunity on this year.
2: I love that idea of being able to truly bring like a real arena type experience and, and feeling that the, the event is big when you're there. I think that's wonderful. And I always say there is never anything that can replace the at-track experience. You know, TV, video, all of that can do a lot, but nothing replaces the at-track experience. Uh, we did have a question, Brian, about Bristol Motor Speedway and with mm-hmm. the World of Outlaws. Uh, will you race there this year? So uh, tell folks about the Bristol oh, yeah. Bash.
3: Oh yeah, we've got uh, two big weekends for, for four of our premier brands. We'll be running the uh, World of all late models and uh, we're, with all the calendar changes, I believe that's the 8th through the 12th of, uh, of April uh, and they'll be accompanied by the UMP Modifieds uh, or the Dirt Car Modifieds. So you'll have a, a whole array of, uh, of spectacular participants. We're having, a, uh, I know that we're getting some up and down again, the, some of the disagreements about how we're doing it. We are doing an invite-only on our on our races uh, there to to make sure that we have the best entertainment, the best opportunity for fair competition. So we have we limit the field. Our goal, our objective is to move everybody in the infield. There'll be no opening and closing the gates. We're going to have a, an event that's you know very crisp and concise and full of entertainment. That's uh, World of Outlaws, Morton Morton Buildings Late Models there, are eighth, 9th and tenth of April with uh, dark car modifieds, and then two weeks later give everybody a break. Uh, we're coming back the 22nd through the 24th, and my calendar's not messed up in my head uh, right. with the World of Outlaws, NOS Energy Sprint, Noss Energy Drink Sprint Cars, and the Super Dirt Car Series Big Blocks. So we have taken both uh, weekends to premiere the top 45 or 50 drivers in each class, going to bring the to Bristol Motor Speedway and, and put on a heck of a show. Uh, our goal is to have a two and a half, three hour program full of nothing but racing, excitement, and stories and entertainment and uh, going to take over the whole month of April there at Bristol. So pretty excited about that opportunity for, again, the showcasing the sport to an international marketplace, putting on in something that, you know, we haven't done in almost 20 years and uh, hopefully creating awareness for new racing.
2: Yeah, it's going to be amazing, which I can't wait to be there for that, too. That's going to be fantastic. Uh, Lauren, a question for you from the chat. Uh, where and how was the concept for the mini documentary on Ricky Stenhouse Jr. developed? And and I guess where did the concept originate?
1: We really just wanted to tell the story of Outlaws and then how Ricky and Sheldon came together together. Um, you know, uh, Ricky and Nas Energy have been together for about nine years, which is a, a really long partnership in motorsports. Um, we started with him when he was in the Nationwide Series, followed him into Cup, and then we followed him into dirt racing. So, um, you know, and we love dirt racing. It's become a big pillar of ours. So we kind of want to give a nod to that relationship and thank Ricky for bringing us into the sport. Um, and, yeah, so we just kind of wanted to tell that story of, not only how nas energy got into dirt racing which does come to life within that documentary but Ricky's story and Sheldon's story and how they came together and and started Stenhouse Junior Marshall Racing and then with nas also being the title sponsor of Knoxville Nationals it kind of it, it was a, it was a it was a great sort of medium to be able to tell the story of our team and our drivers um, tell the story of World of Outlaws and give a behind you know a behind the scenes peek at what the series and every team does within World of Outlaws to, you know, get ready to compete and then leading up to uh, Knoxville nationals, which is, you know, one of the biggest uh, races in dirt racing. So um, that was really the idea of just, you know, we're always trying to find new ways to engage with the fans new ways to create content Um, but wanting to show content that's real and authentic and not something that's overly produced. Um, we really wanted to give fans a peek at what actually goes into dirt racing. Um, and we thought that, you know, the cool way to do it is kind of talk about Ricky's early days in dirt racing. And you saw his dad talk, you know, talk about when he was building his cars and building his engines. And then when he raced for Tony Stewart and, you know, <laughs> Tony's take on some of that. Um, so you, you got to hear again, Ricky's beginnings and then Sheldon's beginnings and, you know, Sheldon thought for a while that maybe he was going to go be a motocross, uh, you know, rider and then decided to follow his dad into dirt racing. And so it's it's cool. It's a unique look at how they started and then again came together and that led, you know, led to NOS being part of World of Outlaws and then Knoxville Nationals. And uh, that was really the idea of just trying to find new and creative ways to engage with the fans and share some uh, never, you know, never seen before content in a, in a really, real and authentic way you, you hear a few beeps <laughs> throughout uh, the documentary because our cameras were in the pits uh filming crews and it, it's real again it's uh, it's cool and um on that note just to give a lot of credit to christina's team and what dirt vision is able to do um obviously we want fans at track but fans who can't be um and they're watching on dirt vision I mean, those cameras are in the pit. So when you see your wreck, you know, and all the crews running to the car, I mean, that's real. That's, that's what racing is. And it's, uh, it's cool to see that on dirt vision. And that again, was kind of the goal with the documentary.
2: Yeah, you know, speaking of Dirt Vision, I definitely want to make sure we talk a little bit more about that. I mean, that's like a win, 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 win for everybody, for the sanctioning body, for the teams, for the sponsors, for the racetracks, just to be able to expose everything that we're doing. And I don't know if this is a better question for Brian or Christina, but um, the growth potential for Dirt Vision and maybe some of the new things that we might expect, if there's any kind of new camera angles or different things like that, that we can look forward to this year.
3: Well, we're constantly changing that. Christina's team has done an incredible job of. Uh, just continuing to push the limits of what's available, pushing the limits of, of, uh, again, broadening the perspective of how we view the race. So the, you know, the potential for the growth of DirtVision is really only limited by our imagination at this particular point. You know, if you looked at it 10 years ago, the connectivity was an issue. If you look at it five years ago, the idea of an app wasn't even, you know, some of the, the apps that exist today, uh, weren't even around. So really, The the, the potential for Dirt Vision, we're only scratching the surface, I believe, based on where where we're at and what's going to be available to us. I think, um, you know, what we've been able to achieve uh, will continue to grow exponentially uh, relative to telling the story. Again, we're only telling at this particular point, you know, we have the opportunity to tell the racing story and the race event. You know, some of the things we're doing by adding some of the other weekly tracks that we're doing is creating a constant place for engagement. But a lot of the stories, the real engaging pieces, are only beginning to be told. The documentary is a perfect example. Those that is just the beginning of what I think the true uh, engagement with the race fan will be. There's so many uh, encouraging stories, or so many heartfelt stories, or so many real stories of challenges, not only with uh, you know businesses and families and events and and weather and travel and just there's so many different places that are so real. It's just capturing the moment in time and figuring out how to connect people to it. And that's what people want is how do you create that connectivity and engagement on a much, on a very consistent basis. They know what they're gonna get. And then at the same time, entertain them when they're looking for a race. So well, the potential for Dirt Vision is really only limited by our own imagination at this point.
2: Well, I have to say from, from at-track, which again, nothing replaces the at-track experience to everything you're doing online and digitally. I mean, just the ease, for a race fan to either be able to watch the races, to be able to buy tickets from worldofoutlaws.com, to be able to engage with sponsors like NOS Energy and all of that. You guys have just done a wonderful thing, and it really is the greatest show on dirt. I mean, there's no better way to describe what you have with the World of Outlaws. And I do want to thank uh, thank you, Brian and Christina and Lauren, for joining us here uh, for this hour. We really appreciate it. And I think we could probably do this for two or three more hours, but I can't wait to see everyone at the track. Francis.
0: Well, thank you very much. And I am so glad we invited you back and gave you the full hour because, you know, Brad said it perfectly. I mean, you, we could carry on for prayer. You do everything so well and so right. And, uh, and it was really a pleasure to, uh, to listen to this, uh, to this session. So a big thank you, uh, you know, Christina, Lauren, and Brian. Uh, the session has been recorded. It will be uh, posted later on on the Portrait platform and on YouTube. And uh, we will be back next week, uh, Judy, with uh, FTI Performance. Yeah, performance. Yeah. And uh, we'll be talking technical on racing, transmission and converters, mostly on drag racing. So again, thank you very much uh, for being with us today. Uh, have a great week, and uh, we'll uh, see you again in, uh, in uh, seven days. So thank you very much. Great job, Brad, and uh, best of luck, uh, Brian, to everyone at World of Outlaw and, and a great season. We can't wait to see you guys at the track, and very nice meeting you, Lauren, and good to see you again, Christina. Okay? Nice to see you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you all. Thank you. Bye, thank you.